Uh, like Ian said, my name is David. Uh, I grew up in this church, so it's always amazing when I get the chance to, to share with you on a Sunday. Uh, I'm on one of the worship teams here. I do the projection as well. Shout out to Luke Murray in the back. Yeah, my guy. Um, and then uh, I get to lead up our once a month coffee house, which is live at Twilight, and I get to do that with my amazing wife, Elena. So uh, we have a lot of fun here. And uh, like Ian said, I'm wrapping up our series today on aspects of grace. Um, and today, I just want to close out by talking about um, the impact that grace has on our lives, right? And the thing that I want to focus on today is uh, what type of response grace causes us to have, right? Like when we see what God has done, how do we respond, okay? Our response should be to do something, <laughs> okay? And when we do something, we end up bearing fruit. And through Jesus' death and resurrection, God sets us up to be these fruitful beings by putting us in the perfect conditions to bear fruit, okay? Now, bearing fruit was always part of the plan. We see in John chapter 15, verse 16, when Jesus is wrapping up the Last Supper with his disciples, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. We've been saved by grace and chosen to bear fruit. And let's talk about what that looks like today, okay? But before we get into the nitty-gritty of what it looks like, I just want to address something real quick. And excuse me while I fold my notes here. I want to talk about what it means to thrive and what the inverse of thriving is, which is striving, okay? Because when we look at bearing fruit for God, it's really easy to strive when we're actually meant to thrive. Thriving, it's positive, it's good, and striving, especially in the light of grace, can be really negative. Now, thriving, it means to flourish. And it's what we're meant to do now that we've been saved by God. Thriving, it's a response to the goodness of God, right? Thriving is being alive in what God has set before us. Thriving is good, and it's what God has, it's what he wants us to do, right? But please know also that uh, there's nothing in the definition of striving that means, perf that, that requires perfection, okay? Now, um, where did I go? There we go. Our perfection is not necessary to thrive. Our perfection is not necessary to thrive. It was Jesus' perfection that is what has allowed us to thrive, okay? We're there. We're good. Thriving. Yes, thumbs up. Striving, on the other hand. It means make great efforts to achieve or obtain something. And what it does is it indicates a lot of work in order to achieve some type of end goal. And I'm, please don't hear me say that working hard is, is a bad thing or anything like that. What I'm simply saying is that when we strive in our spiritual lives, we end up trying to earn something. And that something is typically the acceptance of God or the love of God. We want to be loved by God. And oftentimes we can strive to earn that love and we can strive to do what we think is necessary to gain that love. All right? Thriving good, striving, not so good. Actually, Paul addresses the concept of, thrive, er, of striving in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, when he says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We weren't the ones that earned that acceptance. It was God who gave this to us through Jesus' death and resurrection. And we'll come back to this concept of thriving and striving in a bit. I just wanted to first make it very clear that we are who we are, not by our own hand. 
God was the one who saved us. And because he saved us, we are now in the perfect position to bear fruit for him. But in order to produce that fruit, we've got to stop striving to bear it and bear it by thriving. Now, it's also important to know that this idea, this concept of thriving and striving and earning God's love has always been something that people have dealt with. And we see that God has always had a plan to work through this and to address this and help us. And we actually see that in the Old Testament in the book of Zechariah. Now, Zechariah, he was a prophet. And it's important to know that the, the goal of the prophets was to ultimately point people back to God's covenant, right? And what's really cool about Zechariah is that he lived during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, right? He was the prophet during those days that they were rebuilding the wall. I just think that's cool, right? Our little series within a series. That's cool connections. <laughs> it works. It's awesome. And ultimately what Zechariah was doing was pointing the people back to God. And in Zechariah chapter 3, we see, what, we see the result of this. We see how God has worked through this. And Zechariah has a vision and he has a dream. And we're going to take a look at it today. So here we go. Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord, who has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua, he was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. And then the angel said to Joshua, See, I've taken away your sin, and I'll put fine garments on you. And then I, Zechariah, said, put a clean turban on his head. And so they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him, all while the angel of the Lord stood by. The angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you will walk in obedience to me and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you a place among these standing here. Oh, it's a cool piece of scripture. Let's just give it a recap so we're all on the same page, right? What we see is a trial scene. Joshua, the high priest, he's on trial. We see the enemy, Satan, there accusing Joshua, but we also see God rebuking the enemy. He silences him. And then we see the angel of the Lord, he goes through and he forgives Joshua and he gives him clean robes. And the last thing we see is the angel of the Lord giving Joshua a charge, and that charge was how to live now that he's been forgiven. And this piece, this piece of scripture shows us and makes it very clear that God's always been aware of the imperfection of mankind, but that he's always been ready to do something about it. Okay, we see that the angel of the Lord forgives Joshua and gives him clean robes. But we don't see Joshua say anything. We don't see Joshua do anything. Joshua isn't the reason that he's forgiven. God makes it very clear, I'm the reason. He's forgiven. And this points us back to what we just saw Paul say in Ephesians, where it was by grace we are saved. Like the angel of the Lord was the reason for Joshua's forgiveness and clean robes, Jesus was the forgiveness, was the reason for our forgiveness and our clean robes. And through Zechariah's vision here in the Old Testament, we can see that it was always God's plan to forgive us by his own hand. Right? We see that. It's amazing. I love how the Old Testament points to the New Testament and the things and the works of Jesus. But unfortunately, like Joshua, we too have an enemy accusing us, right? He's whispering lies to us, and he's trying to make us feel worse about ourselves, okay? At times, he'll whisper to us, 
you're not worthy. You'll never be good enough to be cleaned and forgiven. He might whisper, you're too much of a mess for God to love. And if we're not careful, we can easily begin to listen to those lies. And if we let them take root in our hearts, they're really going to crush us. But, but, like Joshua, we too are defended by the Lord Almighty, right? We see that God rebukes Satan in verse 3 when he says, Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? To be honest, I didn't know what that verse meant when I first read it. But it's obviously very important because this is what God chooses to say to the enemy, right? And it works because we don't hear from him again for the rest of the passage. So what was it about what God said here that was so powerful and so moving? Wow, very grateful that the great Charles Spurgeon had something to say on this. And before we throw that quote, it's a, there's a, Big, it's a big quote, all right? And I know for the note takers and, and things like that, don't try and scribble it all down. Let's just enjoy it if you want to. I'm happy to show you at, at the end here. Um, but we're going to go through this, and Spurgeon does a great job of showing why what God said was so impactful. Are you ready? Whew, here we go. Awesome. Cool little cartoon, right? Now, Satan says, these garments are filthy. Well, says Jesus, how do you expect them to be otherwise? When you pull a stick out of the fire, do you expect to find it milk white and polished? This is Spurgeon talking now. No, it had begun to crack and burn, and though it has been plucked out of the fire, it is in itself still black and charred. And so it is with the child of God. What is he at the best? Till he is taken up to heaven, he is nothing but a stick plucked out of the fire. It is his daily moan that he is a sinner, but Christ accepts him as he is. And Christ shuts the devil's mouth by telling him, Thou sayest this man is dirty? Of course he is. What did I think he was but that? He's a dirty stick plucked out of the fire. I plucked him out of it. He was burning when he is in it. He is covered in soot now that he is out of it. He was what I knew he would be. He is not what I mean to make him, but he is what I knew he would be. I have chosen him as a stick plucked out of the fire. What hast thou to say to that, Satan? Now we understand the weight of what he says there, right? Ultimately, what God is saying here is, yeah, I know he's perfect, but I'm still picking him. I'm still choosing to make him into something beautiful. God understood and understands that we needed someone else to clean our robes. And so he sent his son to do that for us. So don't hear those words of the enemy saying you're not worthy or you're not enough. Because you've been saved by the hand of God. Okay, you are now a child of God. You are royalty now. And the enemy doesn't have a claim on that. But you're all those things not because of your works, but because of the amazing work of Jesus on the cross. And not only are we saved by God, we've actually been chosen. We've been picked to live this fruitful existence set forth by God. Think about what Jesus said at the beginning of that verse in John 15, when he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And Paul reinforces this at the beginning of Ephesians when he says in chapter 1, verse 4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. 
And what this shows is that it's not some mistake we're here. We weren't accidentally pulled from the fire, right? It wasn't like, ooh, I I, got to hold on to this one, I guess. No, we were chosen by the hand of God. And we were cleaned by that very hand as well. And we were cleaned for a purpose. Okay, we're going to, let's go back to Zechariah 3 in a second. You don't have to put a slide up, Luke. We're good, though. Anyways, in verse chapter 6, it says that the angel of the Lord gave Joshua a charge. And in verse 7, it shows what that charge is. Now, I think it's very interesting here. The Hebrew word that is used for charge is ood. Can you guys say that with me? Ood. Awesome. And that, is a, that word is a verb, and it means to return. And it's obvious that now that he's been forgiven in hand and clean robes, there was an action for Joshua to take. All right? There was something for him to do. And because this Old Testament scripture points us to the new covenant and what Jesus has done, it's showing that we too have a charge. There's something for us to do. And Paul actually outlines it again in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And he says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We've been given a charge too. There's things to do. And one of those things is to bear fruit. It's like what Jesus says. He wants us to bear fruit, right? We've been saved and forgiven by God so that we may carry out this charge of bearing fruit for him, all right? Everybody with me? Yeah, we're good? You alive? Say alive. Alive. Debatable. Let's say it again. Alive. Alive. There it is. Come on, 9 a.m. We got this. Now, before we go any further um, into kind of where we're going here today. I just want to point out what it means to bear fruit. Okay, kind of let's, let's all get on the same page. I'm going to say bear fruit a lot, and I just want us to all be kind of together on that, if that sounds all right. So to put it simply, bearing fruit, it means living in a way that produces tangible evidence of a life with Jesus. Okay, I got a slide for that for any note takers. Right? That's a bear and it's, it's got fruit. Yeah, it's punny. Anyways, this is what happens when I make my own slides. Um, so bearing fruit means living in a way that produces tangible evidence of a life with Jesus, all right? And today I'm just going to highlight two of those ways that we bear fruit, two of these pieces of fruit that we can begin to see. And those two ways are maturity and mission, okay? Those are two of the pieces of fruit that we begin to bear is maturity and mission. Let's start with maturity. Now that is, maturity is something that we grow in because we desire to be more like Jesus. All right, we press on to learn more about him and experience him in different ways so that we may be more like him and know him more. All right, we spend time with him in worship and prayer and devotion and we're now drawn to his source of life, but not because we have to. Not because we're supposed to. Because we get to. We can't help but do this now. We've been saved and forgiven. It's amazing. Are you growing? Can can people point to, can people see that you're growing closer to Jesus? Is that a fruit in your life? I'll I'll use my own personal Bible reading experience as an example. Just a small example, but I hope this helps. For my first two years of college, I was not really following Jesus. I was just doing my own thing. I wasn't trying to live a fruitful life for him or, or anything like that. 
So whenever I did manage to crack open my Bible, it would usually be because I would need to feel better about myself. If I open the Bible, I was like, oh, all right, I'll clean myself off. It'll be good. I'll feel better, you know, if I do this. And ultimately, my Bible reading experience turned into something that I had to do, right? If I do this, I'll feel better. But that's just, that's not the case, right? We saw we could not clean ourselves up. Jesus had to. And now that I've understood that, now that it's taken root in my heart, when I open the Bible, I don't just open the Bible because I feel like if I do, I'll feel better about myself. I'll feel cleaner. I read it because it gives me the best insight to who Jesus is. Because it shows me a picture of Abba Father. It speaks to me about how Holy Spirit moves. It's not something I have to do. I get to do that. Maturity. And I hope that I'm actually maturing. I believe that I am. Anyways, I ironed my shirts. That's a dumb joke. Anyways, so maturity, right? That's the first one. That's kind of the internal one, right? The, the one that's about us, are we growing? But the second one is mission. That's more external, right? It's something, that, something in us that grows because we want others to know about Jesus. It's this fruit that results from us wanting to share with others this truth truth about who Jesus is and what he's done. But it doesn't mean that we have to work overtime to do this, okay? Terry Virgo, he's the founder of New Frontiers, and he has some amazing foundational talks about grace. I highly recommend them. I can point them out to you afterwards. They're foundational in my life, but he has a a story about a friend of his who said that he was going to share the gospel with one person every single day. And for a while, he was doing great. It was like, hey, Tuesday, yep, Wednesday, yep, doing great. But then one night, he was home, and he's getting all tucked in, and it's just like, oh, no. He hadn't shared the gospel with anybody that day. He's going to get out of bed. And it wasn't good. He felt horrible about it. And the reason was is because that mission eventually turned into something he had to do. There wasn't really life in it. At first, it was, I get to do this. And then I was like, oh, I got to share the gospel with somebody today. Please, don't view mission as something you have to do. Because of the work of Jesus, we just get to be missional. And it's wherever we are and however it comes about. And I've got an example for you. My community group at UNH, shout out to the homies. You guys can go, yay, we're here. Yeah, they're here. Anyways. So we go to board game club. It's called, the, it's called Meeples, and it meets at the Memorial Union building on campus on Friday nights. And it's allowed us to build relationships with people that far extend just board games, right? After our first time there, we were kind of welcomed by what I assumed was one of the elder statesmen there because we all kind of wandered in. We're like, we don't know what we're doing. And he's like, come, come over here. Let's play games. And it was great. Well, Elena and I found out like a couple weeks later that he was our neighbor, it was amazing. It was so cool. And we didn't find that out. Like, we now have a, we did find that out. We now have a relationship with him that's just beyond board games. We hang out with him and, and have fun, and it's just amazing. And that all came about just because we just went. We were just trying, just being missional. We didn't have, like, their, our Jesus goggles on. You know, we're just there. I'll give another example. My parents, they're good role models, and they're really cool. And, um, yeah, they went falconing last weekend. Do you guys know what falconing is? You play with, like, owls and hawks and things. It's cool. 
And another reason they're cool is because they've started a community group that meets at the local theater. They go and they serve that community, hoping to bear fruit and bear relationship with these people, to be missional and show them Jesus. And in both of these examples, let's make it very clear, nobody is doing this because we have to. I don't have to play board games with people I don't know so that I can hopefully gain some favor with God. On the contrary, I get to play board games with people I don't know because I want to tangibly show people that I love Jesus and follow him. Same with my parents. They're going out and giving up a night of their week to serve strangers, but not because they have to, because they've seen the goodness of God, and as a response, they get to go. They want to go and share about who God is and who Jesus is. In both of these, in maturity, in mission, there's a response to this amazing message of grace. Everything that we said at the top of the message, right? All of those amazing things were cleaned, were forgiven. The response is that now we do these things, we bear this fruit because we want to, because we get to now, not because we have to. If we were doing this because we had to, we would be striving to do this stuff so that we could earn something from God. But now, now that we just get to do this, we can thrive knowing that we're not trying to earn anything. It's already been given to us. So let's enjoy this. It's kind of like an apple tree that's been placed in perfect soil. The conditions in this soil are absolutely perfect for this tree. All right, the soil, it's nutritious. It gets the perfect amount of water, the sunlight is just right. It's, these are the perfect conditions for this tree. And as a response to being in these perfect conditions, the apple tree bears its fruit. And like this apple tree, we too have been placed in the perfect soil to bear fruit. When we accept Jesus into our lives, we die to our old selves and are joined with him. We are placed into Christ. And we are placed into the perfect conditions. In John 15, verse 5, Jesus says that he is the vine and we are the branches. And that if we remain in him, and he in us, we'll bear much fruit. He's saying that if we're in him, we're going to bear fruit. And we are in him. So that means we will bear fruit. So then, what's our response to being in these perfect conditions? It's to go and bear fruit that looks mature and missional. But not because we have to. We don't earn anything from God by becoming more mature, being missional. But we bear fruit that looks mature and missional because why wouldn't we? We've been set up to do this. Come on. That apple tree doesn't just sit in the good soil doing nothing. It bears fruit because it's a response to the good soil. Its response is to do something, so our response should be to go and do something to go and grow and mature, to go with a purpose and mission to show people Jesus. And please don't hear from me today that just because Jesus has saved us and we're put in a good soil, that we can just go and do nothing. Absolutely not. Based on what we've seen today in Scripture, we can't justify not doing something. There was a clear plan that we would go and bear fruit, that we would go and do something. But now, the biggest difference is that we're not going to do these things because we have to. 
we're going to do this because we get to. Because without Jesus, we didn't get to do this. We didn't get to do this stuff without Jesus. But now we do. So, how can you mature? Right? It's by spending time with him. Because you get to spend time with him. Because we get to hang out with him. And you know what? If it's for two hours in the morning before the sun comes up, that's awesome, amazing, so good. If it's when you're finally in the car alone for 15 minutes, amazing. Get to know him wherever you are, constantly throughout the day. Not because you'll be in trouble if you don't, but because we now get to spend time with the King of Kings. Amazing. What about being missional? My question to you is, where are you planted? Where are you planted so that you can show people your fruit? Work is a really easy one, right? But what about other places you go? Like, maybe you're a regular at a restaurant or a brewery. Get to know the people there, right? What about after-school sports teams or, or, or theater groups? Show the people there that you follow Jesus. I'm planted in a place where I play board games. I get to tangibly show people that, that I love Jesus and that he loves them because I play board games. That's awesome. That's amazing. Come on. Where are you planted today? You see, it was always the plan for us to be forgiven and to be made clean so that we could go and we could bear fruit for God. And ultimately, that's the response we give. Bearing fruit, it's, it's a response, right? And it's a response to the goodness of what God has done for us. Praise God. We don't have to strive to achieve anymore. We don't have to strive and try really hard. Praise God that we now get to just thrive, thrive in him. It's amazing. And now we're going we're gonna to end here. We're going to wrap up. But I just want us to go from this place, living a life that responds to the goodness of God. We've heard about all this fruit, and we've heard about all these places that we can go and we can be. We've heard about grace for the last couple weeks, and heck, even hearing about Nehemiah and the weeks in between. Let us go from this place responding to the goodness, doing something, bearing fruit, thriving in the perfect conditions we've been, we've been placed in. It's amazing, and this is an amazing truth, and I'm so glad that I got to share this with you guys today. So.